You're listening to the King's Church Podcast. Visit us online at kingswisbeach.org.uk. Right, well, if you have your Bibles with you, we'll just read the passage for this morning. It's quite a short one. It's part of our series on the first letter of John. So it's the first letter of John, not the Gospel of John, the first letter of John. And we're in chapter three this week. And um, we're looking at the, well, I'm going to look mainly at the first four verses. We will actually make brief mention of, of up to verse six. So if you have it there. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. Does anybody notice as you come into church what it says on the banner that's hanging on the railings? Anybody know what it says? We are family. We are family. That's right. We, we hang our banner on the railings outside to let people know we're here. And it says the King's Church, Wisbeach, we are family. And that's um, what we're looking at this morning, God's family. And here at the very beginning, we've got this bit, what kind of love the Father has given us? See what kind of love the Father has given us. I've been reading from the English Standard Version this morning rather than the um, NIV because it brings out that word a little bit better. What kind of love... The word that's translated there, the Greek word, is potopos. And it literally means, of what country? And it's a sort of, what kind? What's this? It's your response to something that is so unexpected, so alien, so strange. You've never come across anything like this before. Potopos, what kind of love is this? You find the same word um, back in the story of the stilling of the storm, you know, when Jesus stands up and tells the winds and waves to be silent and the disciples are terrified and they say, what kind of man is this that even the wind and waves obey him? And again, it's that sort of sense, what, what kind of thing is this? This, this is alien. This is, this is scary. I don't understand it. And so first and foremost, we're told, see, look at this, think about it, contemplate it. What sort of love is this that God has shown to us? That we should be called the children of God. This is absolutely amazing. When you actually come to think of it, often we kind of take it for granted. If, like me, you've grown up in a sort of Christian background, I, I can't remember when I didn't know that song, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And, you know, Jesus loves me, that's something I have known since, since I was, well, tiny. But you just kind of take it for granted. Well, that's what he does, isn't it? That's the sort of thing he does. And it is, that's what he does. But it never struck me as amazing 
until the day that the Lord gave me a little glimpse inside my own heart and I realized, actually, it is amazing. Given what we are, how can he love us? Not only as in tolerate us, you know, be kind to us, be magnanimous towards us, but he actually makes us his children. He adopts us into his family. That is a very big commitment. When somebody adopts a child, you're taking somebody who has no rights in your family by nature, and you're making them into somebody who has all the rights that your natural-born child would have. They have the same rights of inheritance, the same rights to care, the same rights to support, all the same, all the same things that you'd give to a natural-born child of yours is given to this child, and when they're legally adopted, that becomes their legal statement status. What kind of love is this that God has given us? God who is light and in whom is no darkness at all, as Keith was speaking about in our first um, section of this, this series. God who is pure and perfect light, looked at the likes of you and me, saw the depths of our hearts and some of the secret motivations that we really would not like the whole world to see put up on a screen above our heads. And he decided to shed his love abroad in our hearts. This love is amazing. And of course, the whole thing is on his initiative alone. It's given freely, lavishly to people who don't deserve it. And yet, this is a love that delights in changing rebels and sinners into his family. And it is totally alien, completely strange. That's why, he says, this is why the, re the world doesn't know us, because it didn't know him. They don't understand us, they don't recognize us, just like the people who didn't recognize Jesus, didn't know him. It doesn't make sense to the human mind, but it's how God is. And he says here, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. That is what we actually are now. We have his name, his family, and we have that now. We are already that. We don't have to sort of struggle to earn it. It's already true. Yesterday at the King's Women, we were um, looking at something that, that uh, Lynn shared, which was very helpful about cups which got crushed, you know, plastic cups that were crushed and broken and leaky, and she was pouring water into them and showing how, you know, how often we feel like this. We've been crushed and broken so often that actually we've become useless and lacking in confidence and ineffective and we you know we can try and stitch ourselves up with sellotape and all the rest of it but it really doesn't work but then God gives us a new life and we were looking at how actually when it is Christ in us 
even though the treasure is in earthen vessels that don't look very glamorous, yet new possibilities open up here because actually he puts his very life into us. And from the moment that we respond to that unbelievable love and open our hearts to him, we're born again. We start life afresh in a new family with a new identity. And we are children of God. If you get adopted when you're you know, not one day old, but sort of several years old, when you first come into your new family, you may not fit in too well at first because you haven't grown up in it. It's strange, it's alien, it's different. But if you are adopted, you belong. And here, God says, you already are mine. But it does not yet appear what we shall be. So in one sense, we're already children of God. We're already part of the family. We already begin to sort of function differently. But actually, that's not the end of the story because there's something else that we haven't seen yet. One day it'll appear what we shall be. And we can't even begin to imagine exactly what that's going to look like, except that what we do know is that when he appears, we shall be like him. In other words, the work will be finished. The work of becoming a reflection of our new father. See, that's the thing, isn't it? In a family, you start looking like your dad. Our son, Timothy, you know, he, he has mannerisms like his father and my father, for that matter. Clive, after his father died, I remember his mum watching him one day and saying to me, oh, Stan will never be dead while he's walking, will he? Because the expressions, the little ways and mannerisms, it's Stanley Butcher. And if you look at your children and other people's children, you see sometimes, you know, that smile, that particular expression, that way of being. You think, oh, that's their dad. Oh, that's their mum. Hey, I can see myself in that. You know, those family resemblances that, that just come through. Because from day one, when a baby arrives, it is programmed to look at the human face. Its focal length is the distance from when you're feeding a child to the mother's face. And so from the very beginning, they're programmed to be looking, watching for the feedback, watching to see, learning, getting the input that that eye-to-eye contact makes. That's why it's so important for babies to have eye-to-eye contact. And as that child grows, it's learning and reflecting because it's watching. And Paul tells us, you know, we're all with unveiled faces looking, watching Christ. And as we're watching him and seeing him and getting more and more aware of what he's like, we're being changed from one degree of glory to another. The process is already underway. That is just amazing. But one day, it's going to be finished. And what we shall be will become really evident And the cracked old earthen vessel will not only not be visible 
as you know, well left to do the work on its own. It's got the, the, the inner nature that's being renewed. But one day that cracked old earthen vessel will have disappeared and be replaced with a new earthen, earthen body, a new, um, a new body in which we can express that inner nature perfectly. And there'll be no more cracks, no more crushed bits, no more broken ones, and it won't be an ugly old clay pot. It'll be something beautiful that he has fashioned. But the process is starting now. And as we live in his family, we find ourselves changing, both by looking at, at the Lord himself, but also as we're relating with each other and learning from each other how to function as the family of God. So, we are children of God. And one day, we're going to be that even more so. And the process is underway. And that's a great hope. The knowing that he can do it. Because I don't know about you, but when I was much younger, before I really understood the gospel, I mean, I was going to church and everything, it used to be very hard work. I was tr when, if, if somebody had asked me, are you a Christian? I would say, well, I'm trying to be because I thought I had to do it all myself. And when you try to do it yourself, it's hard work. And something that should have been a joy and a delight can soon turn into a drudgery and something you resent and wish you didn't have to do, but I better because otherwise, you know, well, I don't want to face my father's wrath. But when we become children of God, responding to that love, it's a delight again because you actually want to please him. It is such a delight to see your father's smile of approval. And knowing that he's going to complete the work, that's the thing. But it is his work, but something has changed. Let me read the... Whoever thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. And here's the next two verses. Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that? If, if there's no order and no law, there's chaos and anarchy and it's not funny. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Now, I didn't read that at the beginning because I didn't want the, um, the ones who fall on one side of the fence to be thinking, oh no, that means I'll never make it because I still sin. At the beginning of the, um, the book, we heard about people who thought they could say, well, I have no sin, I am now saved, so therefore I'm perfect. And they needed putting in their place. You know, if we say we have no sin, we're lying and we're not living according to the truth, but we have a remedy for it. Here he's saying, but if you are a child of God, which you are, then it should no longer be your settled habit and aim in life to be sinning. Your motivation has changed it doesn't mean we never slip up. It doesn't mean we never fail. It doesn't mean there aren't times when we sort of think, oh, not again. 
and we need to go back and ask for forgiveness and cleansing once again. But what has changed when you have once grasped the love of God and allowed it into your heart and been born again? What has changed is that I don't want to be like that anymore. I'm not thinking, oh, I've got to give up all the fun now in order to get some goodies later rather than go to hell. It's not like that. Actually, as we're looking at him and responding to his love, you want to be like him. I want to be like that. I want to be somebody that can love like he loves. I want to be somebody that, that is willing to forgive like he forgives. I want to be somebody that lives a life that's pure and wholesome and, and godly. That's not out to try and get something at, at advantage from somebody else. That's not out to sort of look after number one at all costs. I want to be different. And because that desire is there and the power of the Holy Spirit is there, guess what? We become different. And as he says here, if you don't know that change of heart, you really haven't understood who he is yet. Just as if you think he's a hard taskmaster, you don't know him yet. But equally, if you think that, you know, you can carry on as you were before, you haven't understood because if you have that hope of one day perfectly reflecting the glory of God in a new heaven and new earth and being part of the purpose of his, of his renewed creation, then you want to get ready. This past couple of weeks, we have seen a major change in our country. And a man who has spent... 73 years, is it, being the heir to the throne has suddenly become the king because the queen has died. And you notice how there was no, um, there was no intermission. We don't have to have an election. We don't have to wonder oh, what's going to happen next. Straight away, Immediately it is, God save the king. Because somebody is ready to step in to the role they have been preparing for the whole of their life. Now that's been a very long time. It's um, just as his mother had a record long reign, King Charles had a record long time of being the heir. But of course, when the day came, he could step up because he knew what to do. He's been training. He's been watching. He's been learning. He's been preparing himself so that when the moment came, he could step up. And if we are sons of God, and that means, as Paul tells us, that we're also heirs with Christ. We're heirs of all that is to come. We're going to share in his inheritance well, we should be preparing ourselves for that because there will come a day when what God created you for and created me for will be fully accomplished and we will be what he created us to do and we will be able to finally know what we're here for and where we belong and to be able to rejoice in what he has done in us. And for that day, we need to be preparing. So, what are we? 
We are children of God if we have opened our hearts to him. And if you haven't, please don't delay any longer because the work needs to start now. So today, if you haven't invited Jesus to be Lord of your life, find somebody to pray with you. And if you have already come to that point, look and contemplate the amazing love that's brought you here. Consider the incredible privilege that you have as a child of God and the hope that is there before you of one day being everything you've always longed to be. And then surrender to the Holy Spirit so that you cooperate in the process that God is working out in you until eventually the family of God is there fully functioning in his perfect love.